what's going on here with consumer confidence? Consumer confidence is the part of it where uh, consumers are saying they're feeling a certain way, and they're saying that they're feeling uh, uneasy about where the economy is headed. Um, consumer confidence falling to its lowest level since July, falling for a second uh, second month in a row in November. And they're basically reflecting that there's uncertainty going forward, that they're feeling pretty gloomy about where the economy is headed. Why? There are three reasons why, and I bet you can guess which the first reason is, and that's inflation, inflation at 40-year highs. No one likes to spend uh, top dollar for rent, food, and clothing, right? Secondly, uh, gas prices. When the survey was taken, gas prices were actually at a high, so confidence took a hit then. And then the third part of it is the jobs market. Look, you know, you can just, you know, watch the news and hear about the tech layoffs. That creates uncertainty as well, as well as the hiring freezes going on at a lot of these tech companies as well. What happens is that if you look at the anti-China approach that clearly the Trump administration had right from the very beginning and the accusatory nature, the Chinese are going to flinch back and say, no, I'm sorry, we're not going to talk mm -hmm. to you about it, which is not correct. But they they're not talking be. to the Biden administration about it either. Exactly. I think that horse is out of the barn and they're very suspicious of anybody trying to accuse them. We need to have an open dialogue with their scientists and our scientists keep the politics out of it and let the scientists, because these are scientists that we've known for decades mm -hmm. and we've collaborated with them. Russia interfered with our election, attacked our democracy for the sole purpose of artificially placing someone at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They were successful. Uh, Bob, have you given any thoughts on how to tackle the Reedy Creek situation in Florida? No. Um, I, 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 um, I have to get up to speed on that completely. Obviously, I followed the news. That development occurred after I left the company. I was sorry to see us um, uh, dragged into that battle. Um, and I have no idea I exactly what its ramifications are in terms of um, the business itself. Um, what I can say is the state of Florida has been important to us for a long time, and we have been very important to the state of Florida. That is something I'm extremely mindful of and will articulate if I get the chance. We didn't drag them in, Tucker. They went in on their own and not only opposed the bill, they threatened to get it repealed. These are parents' rights, important policies in our state that are very popular. And so they brought this on themselves. Yeah. All we did was stand up for what's right. And yes, they're a big, powerful company. But you know what? We stand up for our folks. And I don't care what a Burbank-based California company says about our laws. Do you support carbon tax legislation? I think we need to be moving away from an economy that's based on, uh, you know, fossil fuels. Uh, that's the way of the past, and we need to be moving uh, towards the future. Uh, the issue of taxes and how much, um, yeah, that's, a, that's a conversation that I think, you know, uh, I want to participate in, and I'll bring my values and, and commitment uh, to getting there. Uh, to the conversation. If indeed those numbers are to be believed, CY, eight years, 300, that will put the AAV at $37.5 million. That's clearly the most in the game for the guy right now who is the MVP. What do you make of the offer? I think it's a strong offer. The Yankees, they're setting a number and setting a really high bar right out the gate. Are they, you know, 15, $20 million off? 
yeah, fine, but they're not coming in so low okay. that, that you stop the conversation. Make sure they have firm footing underneath. Well, I mentioned earlier, Reynolds has been caught far too often in his career. Five times this season, he's been thrown out at second base. Line drive toward the corner in left field. It's going to be up to Bo Jackson to try to stop Reynolds from scoring. He can't do it. Yes, he can. I don't believe it. He made an absolutely perfect throw. It looked like there was no way he was going to get him. Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 110 here on Thursday, December 1st, 2022. 2022. Wow. I am old. Mike, <laughs> how was Thanksgiving? Uh, Thanksgiving was what it always is. You know, two dozen people, um, six pies, seven pies. I can't, I kind of lost track of pies. Three turkeys. Uh, 17 potatoes. I think we had like eight pounds of potatoes all in, maybe nine or 10. Um, 36 apples, et cetera, et cetera. The usual stuff. Wow. How about yours? Well done, sir. Uh, mine was good. It was quiet. Um, most because I hid for a good chunk of the weekend, <laughs> the <laughs> holiday. Um, and I stayed completely silent and did not engage in politics, which was fantastic. What what are you talking about? You're you're up with your in-laws, right? Yeah, yeah. We're in Virginia with the in-laws and her parents came. Your your brothers are it was good. fine and your, dandy. Your her parents came. Yeah. Your parent your dad, your father-in-law's everyone's fine. great. I love them all. It's just we just didn't get any but better. But I mean your father-in-law's like right year. on your father-in-law's right on politics and your brother, not your brother-in-law, but your <laughs> the husband of your sister-in-law, he's right as rain, right? No, he's uh he's on the left side of the spectrum, but that it's fine. It uh, it was just fine. It was a lovely, lovely meal, nice smoked turkey, and we had uh all the trimmings and all that good stuff. So um, all right, listen, Dr. Fauci um, you know, blames Donald Trump for China refusing to cooperate about the origins of COVID. Are you gonna miss this guy as no, much as I am? No, no, I'm not gonna miss this guy at all. It 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 here's the thing. I mean, here's the thing, right? I mean, the whole thing has now been proven to be almost in every single single particular, he's proven to be wrong, but he still won't just be quiet and go away. I mean, this thing was clearly now a lab thing, right? This thing, you know, the vaccines were clearly of some value, but not nearly as much as people thought they were. The face masks were of no value. Shutting down was clearly the wrong answer. Um, you know, it, it. most people would just be like, okay, you know, I've been wrong a bunch of times. I'm just going to kind of sit quietly. He's like a different character, man. No, he hasn't been wrong because he's been on both sides of every single issue. So yeah. he therefore cannot be, he cannot be wrong 100% of the time. So in, in that same interview, he said he would, he didn't think, think people should rule out school closures I know. this winter. I know. I'm just and like, dude, go away. He said, and I quote, he's not political and has never been. Yeah, that's a... Dr. Anthony Fauci, ladies and gentlemen. It... it... <sighs> Boy. 
So you know, out he, with the he, old, he, in with the he'd new. He'd be much better just saying, hey, look, I was wrong about a bunch of things. I'm super sorry. I made best decisions I could with the information I had, right? At that point, you'd be like, okay, I get that. Everybody makes mistakes. But this this absolute resistance to being quiet and acknowledging like mistakes is like, can't be just not, not. Well, it's public health, Mike. You know, it's public health. So everything, you know, the it's like. Everything is dismissed because it's quote public health, as if public health isn't debatable and open for for discussion and policy. Well, for some reason, you know, I mean, I'm perfectly comfortable talking about public health. I will point out that Dr. Fauci has probably set the cause of public health back 50 years by by the his actions over the last two years. Absolutely. So uh, out and with you, the old and, and, and you the know new. Me, and you know me. I'm not like one of I'm you. I'm trying to move on. I know you, you are. You don't want to talk about COVID. I just, I just want to fix it real quick. You know, I'm not right. one of these guys. I am not one of these guys. I waited for all the facts to come in. Most of them are now in, and we now know a bunch of stuff. And like I said, in every case, guy's been wrong. Sorry. In with the old, out with the new, whichever we're doing it. Out with the old, in with the new. The new Democratic leader, Hakeem Jeffries. Yeah, an election denier, sure. ladies and gentlemen. Sure. Which he election did he deny? With, uh, oh, 2016. Oh, the, the, yeah. So to learn more about the 2016 election, the, the more we learn about it, the more illegitimate it becomes. This wasn't the, the clip I played. This was the second yeah. uh, piece that I was debating between. America deserves to know whether we have a fake president in the Oval Office. The new face of the Democratic Party election denier, but of course, yeah, you're only an election denier. If it, well, you know, it, it, what do you expect from a clubhouse guy from Queens, right? That's what Hakeem is. I mean, you know, he's he's just a clubhouse politician from Queens. So I, I, I grew up with these guys. I know exactly what they're like. They're all like him. So Bob Iger's back at the helm of the woke Disney Corporation. I, and... um. He says that he regrets regrets getting dragged into the dispute. Yeah, the 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 with re- Ron DeSantis. Yeah, the- as if somehow they were dragged into the dispute. Well, you, you know, keep in mind that was in front of a bunch of employees, so he couldn't say, "I'm real sorry, like you guys bumbled your way into this thing." Um, you know, it. I'm willing to give him some room on the on the propaganda side. Um, I think he's got the right answer. Like, dude, we're gonna we're gonna stop being crazy. Um, well, like you said in in the um, you know take them when you can get them. Uh, he did say somewhat. Um, he was rather contrite and said that we, we were going to try to avoid these culture wars and whatnot. But they're not. I mean, they're not. That's right. First of all, he, they they're involved in them by virtue of the content that they. That's produce. right. That's right. I've seen some of the content, and they weighed heavily into this issue and others but bob Iger himself actually weighed into this pre ce pre pre post ceo right sure because he was the ceo they booted this other guy because they're hemorrhaging cash they overplay the disney plus deal now the, the, he's so, somehow the savior of the white knight he actually tweeted mightily about that issue yeah when he was just a citizen well, so well, he I'm- is I mean, yeah. he, he's the also- thing is, is, people like okay, it's all out there. It's all documented now because everyone barfs their opinion without counting to ten. Seriously. So I mean, he's completely seriously. Back. He's not really being <laughs> truthful. He I, was 
he himself leaped into the discussion, get it. which is why people are so tired of all of these but, people. But see, I, Anthony Fauci, Bob Iger, et cetera, et cetera. I have just the thing I don't understand about Disney is, well, I mean, I understand it. What I don't, I don't see any clear path for, for the new boss. Um, you know, they have been filling up the content side of the house with, um, with people who obviously have a political agenda, right? The last, the, the movie they just dropped last week, I can't remember the name of it. Bombed. Yeah, it's been a catastrophe. He's going to wind up losing them, you know, 100 million bucks or whatever. You can't replace an entire company full of people. And, and, and Bob and his predecessor, whoever predecessor was, I don't remember the name. Um, you know, they've been filling that company up with some really noxious people for a while. And That's it's right. going to, like Twitter. Like, exactly, like Twitter, right? It's going to, it's going to require cleaning out the stables, and that's just not. Uh, I didn't hear any of that. Let's put it that way, right? I heard a "Hey, I'm sorry, I yeah. tang- I'm sorry we tangled with Florida. That was a mistake." Um, you know, it's a little bit. It's a little bit like a kid who's like, "Hey, you know, gets caught handing the cookie jar." I'm real sorry you caught me. I'm not real sorry I tried to swipe the cookie, right? You know? Yeah, exactly. But the other thing too is what I like about Ron DeSantis' position is is that he's not like scared of the company right like you want to leave leave like they're not gonna obviously but the the point is is that most most politicians bend over backwards for these damn companies go back to the whole chip deal yeah oh if you don't pass this multi-quadrillion kajillion dollar subsidy i'm gonna pull my plant out of ohio See right. how quickly do the the politicians run to these corporations Uh, you know the correct answer on both sides is see ya you know, you, you, the, um, you know, I'll, 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 I'll tell you what. I'll make you a counter offer. If you pull your factory out of Ohio, we'll figure out some way to have the federal government impose some kind of special tax on you, or we'll torment you right through various regulatory ways. Right. You know, it, it. it <laughs> I've never understood why anybody who's got nuclear weapons is afraid of anybody else in this country. I really, it's kind of weird, right? Dude, I'm the president. I'm going to, I'm just going to, you, you really think you're going to MF me that that's a bad, bad game to play. And same with governors. Anyway. Yeah. Um, it's a Raphael bad- Warnock, the Senator from Georgia is a oh, Tom, let me just stop you right there. He is, and he thinks his official, fields are terrible. He is the reverend, so. the reverend. Warnock, please get the title right. The Reverend. I apologize. The, the, the runoff, of course, is a week from tomorrow. Here is what I have heard at the uh, as a sort of the optimistic scenario that um, incumbents don't do well in runoffs in Georgia, as we have seen. Yeah, um, <laughs> our and, Republican incumbents. Exactly, and um, well, we will see. Right, um, historically, the incumbent losing or getting into a runoff doesn't bode overly well for the incumbent. So I'm, I'm not sure how it's going to go. I, do you want, should we put a wager on it? A beer? Unless we're, we're picking the same horse. I believe, I, I, I believe. I think. Yeah. Herschel's got an, Herschel's got a better than even chance. No, I don't think so. I think he's probably got a three in 10 chance. Okay. Or maybe a one in three chance, depending on how you like the, you like your probabilities. Um, you know, the, the Kemp team is working hard, right? Um, and that means a lot because they're good. Um, and Trump's staying out of it, and that's good. Um, you know, but it's 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 
Democrats have a definitive advantage both with respect to um, candidate quality and cash, mm-hmm. right? They have a lot more cash than than him down the stretch. It, it, well, what good does the cash do at this point? Is it for get out the vote? Yeah, or? I was going to say walking okay. around money, if nothing else, right? Okay. Um, right, you enough. know, the other side is, you know, Walker lost by 36,000 votes, right? He didn't lose, you know, he didn't lose by 36 million votes. He lost by 36,000 votes. So it's going to be a, it, you know, it's a jump ball. You, let's put yeah, it this the way. Libertarian, uh, libertarian pulled what, like 60? Something like thousand? that. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. little bit north of that, split, I think. Yeah. If they split, it might be even, Steven. Let's put it this way. You could, you could, I could, I could easily be convinced that you're right. How about if I say it that way? Okay. So who are you taking? Uh, in the, in the race? Yep. Who's going to win? Well, oh, wow. Yeah. I'm going to say Warnock. Okay, I'll take I'll take Herschel and where should we go for our beer? I'll be happy to post be, post pub. I'll be happy to be wrong at the post pub. Where else would you go? All right, let's do still, it. One beer still, at the post pub. Still name what the, happens. They should. I wonder if they're going to change their name to the Examiner Pub. You know, the Examiner <laughs> moved into that new <laughs> building right across the street. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so Judge got a eight million, eight year, three hundred million dollar offer. You might want to tell That's our listeners AAV. who you're talking about. This would be Aaron Judge, uh, the free agent Aaron Judge, who passed on a seven-year, $215 million offer. The sport we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, is baseball. He is a baseball player, and he's been offered- New York Yankees. He's been offered, they they want to pay him, I'm sorry, how much again? $37.5 million a year, roughly, eight years, $300 million. I said that that Judge will sign for 10 years and five hundred. million million dollars i said i said he was going to be the first 500 million dollar winner um i'm probably going to be wrong on that but i'm guessing the giants are going to come in at nine and four can i say nine something can i say something sure may i say something you may say anything you want this is america and this is the unregulated podcast yeah let me just say real quick i don't care um, I have concluded that the Yankees are not a serious organization in, in search of actual titles. I think they are just a money-making operation. Um, and Aaron Judge, as good a player as he is, has never performed well in the playoffs. That is true. And I have one big theory about all athletic competitions, and truthfully, mostly all competitions, period, in life. Would you like to hear it? I would love to hear it. Yeah, statistics are meaningless. What you really want is people who know when is when something's important and critical and when it, you're really up ball. against it. They want the ball. You want all of those guys that you can get on your team, and the Yankees have none of those guys. And you know what? It pains me to say it because he seems like a good guy. Aaron Judge is not that guy either. No, he's not a gamer. He's That's not a the gamer. Phrase you're looking and, for, right? And, the, and, and the, is there a gamer on the Yankees right now? Is there a gamer? No. I would I would say that I would say that the closest to a gamer on that team is Garrett Cole. Yeah, he would be the one name that I the pitcher, yeah. He'd be the one name that I'd come up with. You know the funny thing is the other guy who I think was like was a gamer um was Gio Urshela. Right? Who had a better who had a better season than Donaldson at the um on at the at the plate yeah there's no doubt there's no doubt in my mind i didn't even i don't even know that right but there's no doubt in my mind because that kid's a gamer i mean he's five foot two and somehow he's in the major leagues those are the guys you want the guys who shouldn't be there the guys who like have a sense Dest- of Destin the moment Pedroia. 
Dustin Pedroia. You know, I, your favorite gamer I, from the Red Sox. I I want to. You know, I rooted against the guy for years, but he was the guy you did not right. want to see come up in a bad situation because you're just like. And you know, I I pan on him every now and then, but Derek Derek Jeter came up. Derek in, Jeter in was a gamer, and and that's the thing: the difference between the '90 the team in the late '90s and the early 2000s that won a bunch Rocious. of pennants is that is that that team was full of gamers. Brocious, Bernie, Bernie, Paul O'Neill was a gamer. Tino Martinez yeah. was a gamer. All these guys wanted the ball when it mattered, and that's how you win. And you yeah. do not win by handing guys who underperform five hundred million bucks. Yeah. By the way, we're coming back <clears throat> to the underperformance and the gamer thing later in the conversation when we talk about the RNC. Okay, <laughs> I thought you were going to say the Bills. <laughs> okay, uh, so we do not put our our non sports fans to sleep. One more, just a quick one. I threw in a clip. From Bo Jackson, who turned 60 years old yesterday, who threw the ball. Um, I wondered. Threw a, threw a, a missile uh, from the outfield. One of many instances where he gunned a, a, a player down at the plate. Uh, Bo Jackson was probably one of the greatest athletes of all time. I'm going to say he's in second, my view. His second best. His second best um, in, in the last hundred or so years, right? The only guy I can think of who's better than him is Jim Thorpe. Right, that's it, that's it. I mean, he 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 just he was a great baseball player, a great football player. I mean, he yeah. he he just just silly. If you can go go find that on video, that throw to third base on video. Yeah, because you just we'll, we'll put the clip in the show. Notes yeah, you should. it's amazing. Anyway, sorry, I wonder why you put uh, and, that in. And there. also, just real quick, uh, catch the thirty for thirty, the ESPN short documentary on Bo Jackson. It is absolutely worth the entire. The entire hour or so. Uh, uh, it is so good. So happy birthday, Bo. Bo knows marketing too, huh? Yeah. Um, and then lastly, um, tribute to Christine McVie, who passed away yesterday at the age of 79, who uh, was the stable member of Fleetwood Mac throughout <laughs> all of those tumultuous years of marriages and separations and everything else. So the... Um... Yeah. I, uh, first off, rest in peace, and, and you know, say some prayers for her at at, at church this weekend. It, 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 I was listening. You know, I, um, XM, Sirius XM, did like a bit on the Fleetwood Mac like a year ago, and I went back and listened to rumors because um, you know, I had rumors. You know, I was old enough. I bought. It was one of the you know one of the first albums I bought. That album really stands up. It re as good music, right? I mean, everybody makes fun of it because it was kind of poppy. But if you go back and listen to it, it was a really good rock and roll and rhythm and blues um, album, and she was good on it. And so was Mick Fleetwood. The drumming was excellent. Yeah. You should, you should. So my my take on Fleetwood Mac is is there are very few songs I will change if it pops up on my Sirius XM or yeah. whatever. But there were a couple few that I'll change right away. Um, so some of the like just maybe two or three, but they're they're a pretty damn good band. I mean, they have stood the test of time, no doubt. So, all right, do you have any announcements today, sir? Um, announcements? Uh, no, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna have an announcement right at the end. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't have any either, other than um, I hope everyone had a, a, a happy Thanksgiving, and I hope that people are getting into the Christmas spirit um, and not the holiday 
the the commercial version, but the 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 reason for the season. Um, I got four this days in history. I'm going to try and go through them quick because I think we spent a little extra time on the, on the opening clips. The first is 1824. On this day in 1824, December 1st. Uh, uh, boy. Uh, the, the House of Representatives, the House of Representatives Boom. votes for John Quincy Adams. Well done, sir. Yeah. Well done in a contested uh, election. In a contested election, yeah. The um, thank you. None of the candidates received sufficient majority of electoral votes, and and hence it was turned over to the House of Representatives. God forbid if that ever happened today. Um, Andrew Jackson had ninety nine um, electoral votes. John Quincy Adam had eighty four, but but. Representative Henry Clay with 37 of Kentucky, of course, sure, swung his, persuaded his colleagues to swing the um, the election over to John Quincy Adams, um, which became kind of a disaster for him. He became a one-termer. He put um, he put uh, Jackson on his cabinet, and just it was just a disaster. So, anyway, uh, 19. Anything else on that? No, you know, John Quincy Adams was a lot like George Bush, the senior, you know, great, a, probably the best diplomat in the first 50 years of the country's history, um, but wasn't really a that good a president. So, right. And this is also why uh, eventually uh, presidents didn't put rivals in their cabinet any, any longer. Yeah, yeah so. it makes sense, I suppose. All right, 1913. You could probably guess this one too. Nineteen. 1913 on this day on this day women received the vote no you throw that in a lot prohibition prohibition started nope 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 the income tax started this was the day that the first moving assembly line for the mass production of the model t no i wouldn't have guessed that i would have been off by like four or five years to operation it reduced the time it took to build a car from more than 12 hours to one hour and 33 minutes the sturdy simple inexpensive model t of course set off the whole show yeah my mother gives you gives you an idea how how compressed american history can be my mother used to um my mother told me that she used to be mortified because her grandfather drove her to school in a model t and you know she was she was old enough then that it was a very old car, and she was embarrassed by it. Um, you know how kids are sometimes. So, yeah. Well, I think people would kill to have one today. Nineteen fifty-five on this day, nineteen December first, nineteen fifty-five. Yep. The Detroit Lions win their last NFL football game. I. Um, no, no, no. A, a a young woman rode a bus. Oh, uh, Rosa Parks. And began uh, what was what is arguably the beginning of the long march of the civil rights movement for African Americans in this country. Okay, I wouldn't have gotten that year right either. Shoot. All right. Last one, nineteen eighty nine. Jeez, uh, I was alive then. <laughs> you think I should I'll give not. you a hint, Clark? Clark. Clark Griswold. 
Oh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation debuted in theaters on this day in 1989, <laughs> and I, it has been entertaining audiences ever since. I'm a huge Beverly D'Angelo fan, but I literally can't stand Chevy Chase. <laughs> and I don't think I'm alone on that. I think you're probably right. All right. Where should we start today? Uh, we're I've gonna, got some energy. I've got a little gonna, bit of we're gonna start, politics. No, no, no. We're going to start off on something that I want to start off on, we, and then we could split it, flip over to whatever you want to talk about. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Uh, earlier this week or last week, last week, I guess, or Thanksgiving in the pipeline, somebody put a proclamation by Abraham Lincoln in the in the pipeline about Thanksgiving, which I'm grateful to. Right. I'm always glad to see somebody thanks God. I just wanted to point this thing out real quick. Here we go. Yep, here we go. Um, a, a president who served before Lincoln started off his Thanksgiving proclamation in the following way. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly implore his protection and favor, it winds up with... Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is a beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be. That was, of course, President and General George Washington of Virginia on the 3rd of October, 1789, some 70 years before Abe Lincoln. Just wanted to point that out real quick. That's good. I, I I don't think that there was anything implied in that. I but. just wanted, I, you know, I never can tell what, what's implied and what's I'm no, supposed to infer. I was, I was I'm trying just, to just rile you up for Thanksgiving. You are but, trying uh, to rile me up and it's working. It, <laughs> as I was reading it on Thanksgiving morning, I'm like, what the actual hell? <laughs> oh man, this is going <laughs> to, this is going to go on for the remainder of, of our, of our unregulated podcast years. You, I, I me, Fauci, Lincoln. God's going to tie us up all Reed. in a big bag and we going to tie us up <laughs> in a big bag be... in purgatory and just like let us square it away. Uh, do we start with energy since it's the American Energy Alliance? Sure. Co-sponsors -co with, of course, the Washington Times. Sure. Thank you again. All right. I got one from Bloomberg. This is um, this was from yesterday. EU is hooked on Russian LNG and paying b billions to keep it coming. Yeah. The, Europe the European Union has slashed, quote unquote, it's dependent, I put the quotes in, it's dependence on Russian energy this year, banning coal imports and readying an oil embargo. Readying is the key phrase. But one product is booming and is unlikely to face an EU boycott anytime soon. LNG imports from Russia are up about 40% in a year as buyers scramble to replace dwindling piped flows. It's a bitter pill for many across the block, which has slapped heavy sanctions on the Kremlin to starve of its funds. The EU spent a record 12.5 billion euros, that's 13 billion roughly American dollars on Russian LNG from January to September Fivefold more than a year earlier. Yeah, I I find all that unremarkable. We've been talking about it forever. I'm not sure how much more obvious it can be, right? The Europeans have zero intention of solving their problem. They're just going to keep trying to trying to paper it over. 
which is cool. I mean, you know, speaking as a guy who's making money off it, I'm okay with that. But, um, you know, if, if I were them, I'd make think of something, doing something different, something crazy, something wacky. Maybe drill or dig a hole in your backyard and see if you can't find some gas or something. Uh, there, are, there are nice maps of the shale plays in Europe. Uh, and there's a lot of overlap, uh, but not a lot of political will, I suspect. Here's the other thing that bothers me about this. All of this banning, you know, they've been talking about this oil embargo for how long now? And they can't quite get it over the finish line? Oh, well, they're never going to get it over the finish irrelevant. line. Of course it's irrelevant. It, it Look, look, I, I've, I, I say, say this. Everyone just thinks we're all stupid. That's, that's the problem. <laughs> not the problem. That's just... We are stupid, <laughs> just not as stupid as they think. Look, <laughs> here, here, two things, right? And I, I think I say this every month. I'll say it again. One is... I don't really care about Europe. They get what they deserve. Um, you know, that's thing one. Thing two is um, this whole thing emphasizes the reality of the world, which is that oil, natural gas, coal, nuclear. Um, 80-80-80. rule. Yeah, they're, right? they're, they're the foundational building blocks of everything. And and that's just that, right? And the Europeans, by their actions, forget their words for a second, their actions tell you that. So I don't, I don't know. I, I Like I said, except as an example, I couldn't possibly care less. In related news, uh, I saw a clip during my research. Um, apparently Volkswagen. Volkswagen. Volkswagen has announced that they will not be doing any more more building of any facilities that require industrial manufacturing of any kind in Europe unless and until they can sense a clear and uh, stable oh the energy stuff yeah 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 Volkswagen okay. see and this is I don't want to I don't want to say who founded that company um the, yeah, well you should because <laughs> Alyssa Milano traded her Tesla for a, a Volkswagen EV. <laughs> a Volks, Volkswagen. Yeah, you don't want to kick. We don't want to tip her off as to who. Well, I'll uh, tell you. I will tell you who origins of that company. Seriously. Um, yeah. They, see, the, that's the only moment where this European thing is going to touch the United States, for good or ill. I don't care about Volkswagen either. I think you know, if you're an American, you should be buying American cars. Tom, um, it, it, the Germany is the factory floor for much of the chemicals in the world. And, you know, if they can't, if they turn into, if, if the world turns into a situation where they can't access that natural gas to make those chemicals, that's going to be a problem. You talk about a supply chain problem, that's going to be a supply chain problem. Um, but, you know, which is, I think, why the American government's never really said anything about the Germans. Like, hey, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. You say one thing, you do another. You know, you're you're essentially funding both sides of this Ukraine war. Well, we're we're funding one side; they're funding the Russians. Yeah, I was just going to say we're, we're pretty it, much. It, it's it's what's old is new again, right? I, I'm pretty confident the rest no. of the planet's looking. Yeah. I'm pretty con pretty sure the rest of the planet's looking at us. Like, what's wrong with these people? All right, so we had a little um, a little bargain. We had a little uh, uh, six, the, the United States successfully negotiated the lifting of the sanctions. 
of what and allow uh, will allow now allow Chevron to oh, Venezuela. oil in Venezuela. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to laugh. It's not funny. It's it's terrible. Um, <laughs> so wait, I want to play an expert. I want to play a clip from an expert. Oh boy, who had a few thoughts on the matter? Yeah, uh, let, let me run this. Yeah. Bring in Tom Pyle. He is president of the American Energy Alliance. Uh, okay, Tom. The White House says there's plenty of opportunities for oil companies to drill here. They're just choosing not to. What say you? Well, it's completely in inaccurate. In fact, it's a flat-out lie. You know, we've uh, we've basically tracked about 125 specific actions that this administration and the Democrat Congress have done to slow down or stop oil production in America. Actually, he has an America last energy policy. He would rather get oil from Iraq, Saudi Arabia, and now Venezuela than he would from Texas, New Mexico, and North Dakota. It doesn't make any sense to anyone other than the fact that he simply wants to placate his big donors who don't want to see fossil fuels produced in this country. And Pretty smart guy there. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. So the so the the specifics are that Chevron can resume operations. As you know, they've they've gotten their asses kicked because of uh, they had they were pretty pretty heavily leveraged in Venezuela when it all came a tumbling down. So this is a, a chance for them to try to you know get in get in on that action. I don't know that I blame Chevron per se because they really can't make any money here in this country because of the the policies. But it's not going to do a damn thing, right? Um, there's still like some $20, $30 billion worth of fixes that has to happen in Venezuela just to get the the um, the wells, the rigs, and the refining and all that other stuff back to where it was before Maduro stripped it all down. In fact, they never he never paid his workers forever and ever, so they basically stripped down everything and sold all the copper. And, and everything else that they could in the black market. Good for them. Right? Good for them. Um, Entrepreneurialism here, is alive. Here's the other thing. It's going to be, I don't know how many years before any production happens. Okay. If, and I know you're going to groan, but if the Keystone Pipeline was finished, we'd be bringing in a close to about, I'd say the estimates are anywhere from 800 north of 800,000 barrels a day of Canadian crude into our refiners in the Gulf right now, that would be, that would have been happening. So I'm not going to, so I, the only explanation, the only logical explanation for this is kind of what I said in that clip with, with Stuart Varney's, uh, uh, Stuart Varney's host there. So they cannot do it here. They have to find it somewhere. And oh, by the way, the, if they work with these petro dictators, they can always, Re, re um instate the the sanctions later on when they don't want the oil anymore, right? So that that's what this is all about: is finding oil from sources where they can easily say politically, "Oh, we don't want to do business with those guys because they're bad guys," because they they just they don't want us to use this stuff anymore. Well, so they, those they, are my thoughts. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they don't want to. They don't want to. They do not want to. Um, invest anything in American production. That's just that. The, and, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole 
subculture now about, hey, they're going to fill up the SPR by this way, that way, the other way. I'm oh, like, wait, hold on, hold on. Hold on before you get into that. Yo. I got I got a clip from our friend Lamo Amo about that very issue. Yeah. Look, we, we, we've been tapping the SPR, and I don't think there's much criticism today for what we've done. We That was a critical part. Uh, the releases from the SBR are a critical part of bringing prices down when we did them. Just imagine if we had not increased supply by a million barrels a day. But today we have to be we have to be really opportunistic and look at the market and where it is to see if it makes sense to do continued SPR releases. The president was would like to replenish the SPR in full uh, of what we release, so an additional 180 to 200 million barrels. And I think when prices start reaching towards that 70 dollar mark. Uh, that's when we're probably going to be looking at some somewhere around that range of 70, 72, 73, or maybe a little bit below that. Uh, we'll look to uh, immediately begin to increase uh, and to repurchase uh, oil into the SPR. And that's because we need to have uh, an SPR that is full than it is today for national security and economic emergencies in the future. When I said they're flat out lying, I wasn't exaggerating yeah there's no way they're gonna there's no way they're gonna fill the spr no it's not even that there's so many things to unpack here the first is is that if, if you recall president trump offered to fill the spr when oil was at 24 dollars a barrel yeah and the democrats refused because they didn't want to quote unquote bail out big oil one two he just added the word economic i know well, to the Strategic Petroleum well, Reserve and well, talked about its importance for national security, and yet they drained it. Yeah, well, you and I have a slightly to the tune of two hundred million barrels. You and I have a slightly different take on the SPR. I, I've always understood it what for what it was. Right? It was it's a slush fund for American politicians. You th you think it's a national security thing? I, I don't. I don't think. I I agree. It should. I know what it is, I but I also think that's what it that's what it should be if we're going to have it at all. Oh, of course, no. we don't actually need a strategic petroleum reserve because we have one. It's called our reserves. Of course, uh, right? You know, it, yeah, it it the, the, two things. These guys are never going to fill this thing up, and and the second thing is is that. That's probably all for the best because they've exposed it for what it is, right? Everybody now sees it for what it is. Everybody who thought, hey, that's a national security thing now knows that's complete fiction. Um, so I'm grateful for them, to be honest with you. I mean, I still think they're a bunch of um, <laughs> mostly idiot children. Okay, so but one, more, uh, one more in case you did think that this administration cared about oil production. Yeah. Um, this is, again, from Amos. Hochstein. Hochstein. Is that how you pronounce it? Hock. Hock. Hochstein. Who is our man at the State Department, our energy man. Brother. Who, he's now becoming my least favorite administration. After Deese is gone. is leaving. <laughs> I was going to say, you're preparing <laughs> so, your next guy. Yeah. Yes. He's my next, uh, my next guy. Hitman. Here it is. It was 10 days ago, the president again said, President Biden, maybe you, you you try to talk him out of it. I don't know. I don't know what you do when he says it. But when he says we're going to end drilling uh, domestically, that causes the major oil producers to not want to invest long term. It, it, how can you give me you say we like them, we want them to produce. Give me a number on, on how long Do you want them to do it for five more years. For 10 more years, how long will we need these major oil producers to keep drilling? What, what does he mean we're going to end drilling? When? 
Well, eventually we are, we're going to be phasing out uh, the use of oil. That's just, so it's eventually. Because you're not going to want to invest any money in, in doing this if it's two or three years from now, or even five years almost. So I don't think we're talking about two, three years. We're talking about longer than that. That's, I, I, I could play more, but Why? I just don't want to like. Why? Exactly. So they, every single thing. Every yeah. single thing is we, we, they cannot say anything other than that because the Democrats are owned by the big left green, big green ink. Yeah, man. That's their donors. That's their funding base. I, That's their organization. You, know, you see, they threw out the unions. They're kicking the unions, you know, off the, off the curb. They're good. Forcing Congress to to settle this rail strike. I can't believe any Republicans. Now this is where all the big money is for the Democrats, except for like dudes like SBR or whatever the hell is. SBF. Uh, his, his name is AOC SBR. Seriously. JFK. That, so. That's it's. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen. It is what we, it is. And our been- listeners understand this but spread the word these guys are full of it okay i'm not sure our listeners understand that completely what else you got in energy anything i got nothing else on energy i'm looking down my list i don't think i have anything else on energy no i don't all right we can we can move on i I have to this i'm I'm trying to decide right now what the wall street journal was thinking with this headline and i want to read it to you ftx's collapse Yes. Wiped out founders' philanthropic aims. <laughs> Not to mention that a bunch of investors' money. Fold, <laughs> the front fold of the Wall Street Journal on Friday. Last Friday, dude. Is, is that not? That it, was the headline. Well, I, I, I swear to God, I thought I was reading the New York Times. Well, and I'm sure so. it's. I'm sure it's accurate. I'm sure it. 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 You know, it didn't. It didn't do him any good, but. I'm not sure that's the important part of the story there. Is that what you're saying? I think the, I think if I were the editor there, I would strike collapse and insert the word fraud. It, 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 and I would strike founders, philanthropic aims and say investors lives, customers, life savings. Yeah. But well, so, first of all, you're an idiot for investing in crypto. But I, you know what? I mean, in all fairness, that's the Wall Street Journal's editorial position it has been for a long time. You're an idiot for investing in this stuff. Um, so maybe it is one of those. Eh, no, get what you deserve. There, the, but the but and then they had this New York Times like I sent you the clip the other day. Like the, they had Yellen and Z- Zelensky and this guy as the headliners for some big business confab <laughs> i thought Zelensky was fighting a war he's not he's that tied up into this he's not thing. that we sent him a hundred billion dollars he's got plenty he's got plenty of time on his hands he's just spending our money i just i, I he's about I as busy there is he's about as busy as the guy who's running health and human services for for this administration right about getting about the same amount of money he's about as busy who is running health yeah, and human we services? We live in a complete parallel universe at this it, point. This whole, so. this whole, this whole Ponzi scheme that we call civilization is about to collapse. All right, I have another one here. Uh, this one caught my eye. Uh, uh, I thought it was interesting. I'm going to play the clip and then uh, give you my take. Republicans say that um, Democrats are picking on Elon Musk. Elon Musk is doing just fine. But do you think that users have a right to freedom of speech, even if what they're saying is wrong or offensive? I think. That one human being should not decide 
how millions of people communicate with each other. One human being should not be able to go into a dark room by himself and decide, oh, that person gets heard from, that person doesn't. That's not how it should work. That's how it worked under Jack. America's favorite <laughs> oil and gas when he lawyer. he was the CEO. And last I checked, they never complained when, uh, when um, the last guy was CEO. Uh, uh. America's <laughs> favorite oil and gas lawyer, ladies and gentlemen, Elizabeth Warren. Senator I, I Warren. Mean, it, I, Look, my favorite part of that whole quote was the dark room part. Like he goes into a dark room. I'm like, is, <laughs> is it okay if he goes into a well-lit room? Is that the a well-lit room? Well, properly ventilated. What's, what's the conditional part of that sentence? What you know? We can work. From, <laughs> we can work from anywhere now, right? <laughs> Just I guess it's it, to keep the heat down from it, all the servers. It, what it is is you got you know. I mean, you have a perfectly lovely person who grew up when you know people said stuff like that and. Everyone like, oh yeah, that has meaning. This is like, it, this is why I couldn't be a reporter because that'd be my first question back at her. Would it be okay if it was a bright room, or would it be okay if it was two people? <laughs> you know, I mean, how many? Uh, I, it, it <laughs> lady, I don't, I don't know how to say it, Senator, but yeah, that's the exact definition of free speech. Somebody like who has something, who owns a, who owns a platform. Decides who gets on it. Ask the Washington Post. I mean, the editorial yeah. board in the Post only is like five guys. They probably look. They probably go into a dark room and say, "You know, we're not running that, or we are running that." I'm like, do you, do you, you seriously can't get over the age of thirty in this country without knowing yeah. some of this stuff. Yeah, then you get a um, a gal like Jennifer Rubin writing. <laughs> you so. get all of these losers. Okay, so, look. Again, again, I'm never, I'm no, I'm no Elon Musk fan, but I just find this whole thing hilarious. The government wants to keep an eye on him. Um, well, I mean, if I was the governor, if I was the government, I want to keep an eye on him because he's got like eight trillion dollars of my money. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, it's like he's like, okay, I'm going to release all the documents that show that we, you know, we suppressed all this yeah. information before the election. Yeah, right. Like, like I said. Nobody had a problem with Twitter up until like, I don't know. It's until change he, of management. His, 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 the night he got drunk and decided he wanted to buy Twitter. Yeah. So. I don't I don't know how this story turns itself out, but it has been fun to watch everybody change their minds right away. And you you have given everybody and, But the funny thing is, is they're still on Twitter bitching about it. Well, where else are they going to go? Exactly. It's an addiction. It's true social. It's an addiction. I know what I'm giving up for Lent. You're giving up Twitter. Uh, all right. This is from the Wall Street Journal. House panel gets access to Trump tax returns. Yeah. Chairman guarded as to what comes next. So the Treasury Department in the in the 11th hour of the last of the Democrat-controlled Congress complied with a Supreme Court order. Uh, and now six years of Donald Trump's tax returns belong are sitting at Richard Neal, the, the chairman of the Ways and Committee's desk, to decide and determine apparently what he would like to do with with these 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 said returns. So, what are your thoughts on this? Man? If he had brains, he'd send them back. But uh, you know, I I know Richie a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Richie's like, I don't want any of this stuff because because he he gets it right. He's an old guy. You know, he's not one of these kids. He gets that it's um it's precedential, as the folks like to say. Um, if you can get Trump's, if Congress can get Trump's tax returns, then they can get 
Biden's tax returns. And I guarantee you one thing. Yep. I guarantee you two things. I, mean, I think one thing. I think two things. Well, Biden releases his tax returns, though. Everyone knows he's a cheap ass. He doesn't ever donate to charity. Yeah, they, you're gonna. They're gonna want the ancillary documents. Um, you know, Trump's tax returns probably. I don't know. I'm guessing twenty five thousand pages every year, and would require a you know six or seven forensic accountants. You know, ten years to unpack what happened. Right. In any given year, because I mean, this guy's got like a lot of things going on. Like I said, presidential stuff. Um, if you're looking for the mayhem in, in Biden world, you want to follow the cash. You want to understand how come a sitting United States senator, salary one hundred seventy-five thousand bucks a year, somehow manages to have a two million dollar house in Wilmington and a two million dollar house on a beach after spending forty years in the Senate. There will be some questions asked about all this stuff. Yeah, it, well, it, it, and you know what? This is a terrible precedent, which is why I'm saying if you're Richie Neal, you t- retape the boxes and send it back to Treasury and say we changed our minds because yeah. the precedent now works against you, not for you. And you know where does it end? Where does right. it end? Well, and it, it will end when Trump either dies, or I mean, I don't oh, know what where, no, when it ends. It, I mean, they they have. Now, there's a special, the second special prosecutor now, two impeachments. They finally got his tax returns. I mean, they are they are creating an environment where, yeah, the, the you have no, no, you have sympathy for the guy. I get it, but I mean, the problem is all this stuff establishes precedent, and once precedents are established, they get used, especially when it comes to separation of powers. The Biden team, Biden, who are not right in any dimension as best i can tell team biden should have fought this thing tooth and nail because you know once you give congress this right this this authority it's going to be used against you and and i'm now not speaking as president biden i'm speaking it's going to be used against the president in the future which you can guarantee we're going to have another democratic president at some point well not only that but it is it is another instance where you're using the power of the government to go after a a political yeah a political yeah. foe right a yeah. guy who's announced that he's running for the presidency of the united states yeah. no one's above the law well i get that you know, this is this is past that yeah this is way I, past it's funny that. i got asked i was doing a i was doing a post elect and i i got asked hey what happens if they indict trump and i was like Country becomes functionally ungovernable at that point because everybody looks at it like, "Hey, you can't indict, you can't indict, you can't indict guys who lose elections just because you don't like them," and that's exactly what it's going to look like. On top of that, and this is something I wrote about in the Times, right today. It actually appeared today in the Times. Um, this special prosecutor they just announced, right, Jack Smith, leaving aside all his personal problems. Um, what I, what what nobody wrote about, which is, why, which is why I wrote about it, is Jack Smith is there to make sure that Trump doesn't get indicted by anybody on a timetable other than Justice's timetable, right? You know, Biden and Merrick Garland, they want a full control over this prosecution. They want full political control over this prosecution. And they want to morsel it out, the leaks and all the good stuff at strategic moments during the campaign. It is, we all say, hey, stuff gets politicized. This is the 
ultimate in politicization of of a judicial system, right? Yeah, they're not even going to let Again, they're not even letting their own guys just do their thing. They're like, no, 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 no. We got to have a special prosecutor. We got to have one guy who's like all about timing and tempo here. Um, and I, you know, I forget Trump, forget Biden. This is a very, very dark path we're walking. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Back to your point about the Department of Justice, FBI, the whole thing stinks. When guys with guns and badges stinks. decide that they want to pick your leaders, you That's are the end. You're, I was going to say, you are essentially running a, a short road to a barracks emperor, right? The Praetorian Guard is going to start picking your guys, and that's it. And, and, the, and again, think about what the Democrats accuse their political opponents of doing or being, and strike it and reverse it, because that is exactly what they're doing. They're, they're the ones who are threatening democracy. Right, they're their big line defending democracy. Well, in all fairness, the Republicans are doing their part too by so waiting around for to vote on things after elections and lame ducks. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Clear the we're in the clear the barn phase, right? Clear the decks. That 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 phrase actually found its way into decks. Mitch McConnell it, said he thinks that um, an omnibus is the right path. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can't like. It's okay. We don't make this up. We talk about this all the time. This it's you know, okay. Senator we've McConnell been around too long, I guess, because this is exactly what he's doing. Senator McConnell thought that getting the Chips Act done so that Joe Manchin could double cross him on the Inflation Reduction Act was the right thing to do too. The old man's losing a step. I'm sorry to say that, but that's the truth. I know that there are senators who are writing a strongly worded letter <laughs> to McConnell urging him to reconsider. Yeah. So well, that's the important thing—a strongly worded yes. letter. You sons of bitches all had your chance. You could have voted against him for leader, but you didn't. So don't send letters. So some breaking news in Indiana. I don't know if you've heard this yet, uh, but the senator, Mike Braun, filed a campaign committee with the Secretary of State in Indianapolis, which is his first step towards foregoing re-election to a second term in order to run in the open seats gubernatorial election so that opens up that seat potentially he runs for governor um gonna be a free-for-all right and one of the guys whose names tossed around already is your friend jim congressman jim banks yeah jim banks yeah for that senator seat Mm -hmm. yeah i gotta think he's probably got the he's probably got the inside track so there are a few other candidates already um the current attorney general uh, yeah, Indiana. Indiana's got all the problems of a of a one party state at this point, right? You know, there's, yeah. there's lots there's of guys gonna standing. There's going to be a lot line. of people in the primary, yeah. so including um, former governor uh, is being tossed around as My, well. Mike Pence? No, um, Mitch Daniels. Mitch Daniels. Yeah, I could yeah. see Mitch wanting to be a senator, finish out the career that way. So now uh, that's a contrast, of course, to. Another gentleman who did not want to be a senator and never wants to be a senator. Uh, this was an interview uh, on November 23rd, a little bit while back, but we didn't have a show last week. New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu says Trump's announce- announcement fell flat and shares why he will never run for Senate. 
So this was an interview conducted by uh, uh, Selena Zito. Is that her name? Yes, Selena. Yeah. She's a great writer. So, great writer for The Examiner. And The New York Post, I think. <laughs> he had a lot. Show. I'm going to put this in the show notes because you should read it. Uh, he, he riffs on Pennsylvania. Um, obviously, he's no tr- fan of Trump. But uh, my favorite part was when asked about the Senate. Sununu, who was courted heavily by Mitch McConnell to run for the U.S. Senate this cycle instead of governor, said that office is one he will never run for. No, no, he said, I can't. No, I got to tell you, the U.S. Congress and the Senate are the most disappointing political bodies that I can imagine right now. They have done so little, and they've set the bar so low for success that if they pass one bill, we all give them a big cheer. It's like our four-year-old finally bought, brought home a finger painting or something, and we're so proud, and we're going to put it on the refrigerator. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Just perfect. Exactly right. Maybe the first time he ever sounded like John Sununu in his life. <laughs> uh, completely dysfunctional. Sounds like, sounds like the kind of thing his old man might have said. Yeah. So I have, you're going to hate me for this, but I got to play it. It's just, it's just, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's the anti-world economic forum in me. Go ahead. All right. On the G20, you were there meeting some of the leaders as well. Professor Schwab, what do you make of the result? Finally, they put something as a statement, and it seems quite positive with all the voices included. I think it's positive. It's uh, already positive through the fact that everybody agreed about the statement, which we haven't had the last years. Now, the base has been formed, but um, we have to go one step further. We have to have a strategic mood. We have to construct the world of tomorrow. It's a systemic transformation of the world. So we have to define how the world should look like, which we want to come out of this transformation period. I uh, respect uh, China's achievements, which are tremendous over the last uh, over 40 years. I think it's um, a role model for many countries. Oh, but <laughs> just okay. It's uh, ouch. Yeah, Volt. Yeah, we need to, the World Economic Forum. We need to. We need. Yeah, to I mean, all... talk about doc... <laughs> what talk a... about that Doctor Evil. What a what a, what a what a great accent to congratulate the Chinese and tell them a role model. They are, they are a role model for everybody, especially these concentration <laughs> camps. The statement was fantastic. There, you know, but I... what we need is a. I'm going to look up transformation. Going to look up world. Old... I'm gonna look up Dude. old Klaus. What do you want to bet? What do you want to bet me? Old Dude. Klaus's family like served in the Third Reich honorably. What do you want to bet me? <laughs> just the, Come just, on, let's get some money down on what his family did in World War II. I don't know if you. I don't think you can make this stuff up. You, you, you have a guy with a with a deep German accent congratulating people for putting concentration camps together. Yeah, let's yes. put that guy in charge. <laughs> Klaus, we've already thought about what kind of world we want. And it doesn't involve lots of authoritarianism by either Germans or Chinese. Sorry. 
All right, I got one more quick quick clip here, and then I'll turn it over to you, and we can close. Yep. This is uh, our president pra praising a prominent figure of the Revolutionary War. Uh-oh. From the spirit of Marcus de Lafayette, <laughs> help secure the success of our... <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I totally missed that. I totally missed that. <laughs> he didn't really say Marcus a, Lafayette, did he? I'm in a mood. I'm in a mood. <laughs> when did he do this? He was he was on some oh. uh, soapbox. Oh, um, good lord! In the Rose Garden, the spirit of Marcus Lafayette. You know, I I knew Mark. He was a good guy. <laughs> well, Marcus, man, he really kicks some ass. He played ball for Lehigh back in the day. Um, okay, I'm done for the day. Our listeners uh, uh, have heard enough. Uh, need to go. They, they've heard enough. They're they're already home from their from their commute from their sabbaticals. I got to go. I got three things real quick. First off, the RNC uh, chairman chairperson uh, announced that she was putting together an advisory council to think big thoughts about what happened in the most recent election. I know it's going to shock you to find out the advisory council involves uh, three members of Congress, three brand new members of Congress, uh, Kellyanne Conway, and somebody else, and is going to be headed up by my friend Henry Barber. Um, you know who's not going to be on the council? Nobody from outside. It's all going to be basically the people who created most of the problem and who are now all prepared in four weeks to vote for the chairperson for a third, fourth term. Yeah, because six years of electoral disaster it hasn't been enough. We're going to need at least two more. I, I encourage everybody, as I encourage everybody all the time, do not give money to the RNC or the Senatorial Committee or the Congressional Committee until it's they they seem until they get serious about some of this stuff. You're just wasting it. Might as well light it on fire. Give it to your kids. Give it to your grandkids. Give it to me, but don't give it to the RNC. That's uh, thing one. Well, I I mean my only thought thought on that is if we reelect her, going to happen. We get what we deserve. Yeah, well, it's going to happen. All I'm saying is the RNC, as I, as I pointed out in, in a column last week for the Washington Times, that I wrote the title for. I'm not blaming it on the editors. The RNC is a dumpster fire, ladies and gentlemen. That's what it is. Um, two, uh, the New York Times in a never-ending battle to show how out of touch they are with everyone in America. Um, did except it, for. New Yorkers. Right. Did a hit piece on um did a hit piece last week on those who go to the Latin Mass, those Roman Catholics who attend the Latin oh, yeah. Mass. Yeah. I am they've one been of out, they've been after this. They've I, been on this jag for they, a while. They have been. I am one of those people and have been since I was a child. Um they um claim that people who go there are are drawn to it by the hard right rhetoric. I can honestly tell you that in fifty five years of attending Latin Mass and listening to sermons in Latin Mass parishes, I have never heard a priest um, be anything other than relatively mild, and I want to say in all those 55 years, so 2,500 times, 3,000 times a Mass, I might have heard two whole sermons that um, were about the troubles of the day, two. Um, so New York Times— Hateful, 
divisive, angry. War on religion. Um, Christianity, yes. perhaps. I don't know. Irreligious, um, et cetera. Uh, but we already know that. And then the, the, the last thing I got, a uh, member of my family, one of my, one of my children, is probably in the market for a new gig. So if anybody out there knows any PR firms or communications firms that are looking for people, um, let me know. Because I, 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 I have. We need a, a comms director at IR. Because I have a so. child who probably is going to need something. I trust me; it may come to that. Okay, that's it for <laughs> me. Okay, so uh, this is the closeout clip. I have never seen this show. I hear people love it, um, and I may because of this scene. I may now start to watch it. It piqued my curiosity. I thought it was perfect. Let's see what other policies are proposing. Suspend natural gas leases on state land in Powder River County to support the sage-grass restoration project. Um, there's been a precipitous drop in sage-grass numbers, and there's empirical evidence that gas exploration and extraction have a negative impact on the sage-grass environment. And what effect do you think 7,000 acres of solar panels are going to have on their environment? There's no evidence that solar panels would have any impact on the sage-grass environment. What do they do with the sagebrush when they put in the solar panels? They, 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 they would clear it before putting in the solar panels. They remove the sagebrush. Yes, sir. Sagegrass live in the sagebrush. <laughs> they do. You don't think removing the sagebrush is going to have an effect on the population? I just said there's no you know, evidence. It scares me about you, Stanley. You're serious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just so good. Yeah, it's just so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is apparently a recent episode of Yellowstone, ladies and gentlemen. If it's not f- true, it's not funny, as a friend of mine likes to say. And that is a wrap for the Unregulated Podcast. Namaste. Hey.